we've been talking about drawing near to God intentionally, drawing near to him. And he promises that he will draw near to us when we draw near to him. And last time I shared a little bit about when we draw near to God in times of trouble, he gives us his promise that he says, don't be afraid because I'm with you. And we share just briefly about why is it that his presence being with us allays our fear. And we talked a little bit about his amazing character, that all about his character is available to us when he says, I'm with you. So that means his compassion is with us to gently care for us. His incredible, unconditional love is with us to, to really reassure us and wrap us in his presence. His power is with us to deliver us and to fight for us. And his goodness is always there, bringing out the very, very, very best that he could possibly intend for us. And that is just a summary, a very small, brief summary. But it's incredibly summed up, I believe, in that scripture from Isaiah 63, verse 9, when it says, In all their affliction he was afflicted, and he personally saved them. In his love and compassion he redeemed them, and he picked them up, and he carried them through all the years. I feel that that is a really good summary of incredible character of our Heavenly Father who is so, so intimately acquainted with all of our ways. He knows us intimately and he has such incredible compassion for us. So today, I'd like to do the second part of drawing near to God in times of trouble. First of all, I said it allays our fears. The second thing I have really found incredibly powerful and incredibly deep in terms of ministry has been his comfort. His comfort in times of trouble is the thing that helps us actually get through trouble as well as his strength and his might and his power. It's his comfort in times of trouble that we really, really need to lean on and depend on. And it says in Hebrews 4, verse 16, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we can receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. We need to draw near to God to help us not to be afraid. We need to draw near to God to receive his comfort. And so drawing near to God is where we actually focus our attention, our heart, our thoughts on him. We intentionally choose to come into his presence to receive what we need when we're in trouble. I have received God's comfort many times and it's been his comfort that has really taught me to trust him. It's been his tenderness that has come to me and brought me out of the trouble. Not necessarily changing the circumstances, but changing my heart reaction to the circumstances that has healed my heart 
and it's taught me to trust him. When someone comes in to you in such a vulnerable place and God makes himself incredibly vulnerable by stooping down to us, that brings trust. That helps us know this is a safe person. This is a God who I can give every need that I have and he will hold me and he will, he will help me. God's comfort is described many, many times in the Bible. It must be a very, very important theme to God. Um, it's, it's a theme that I think demonstrates his redemption and his willingness to really deal with the consequences of the fall. We wouldn't need comfort if there hadn't ever been the fall. But with the fall has come sin and brokenness and disease and trouble. And none of those things were ever what God designed for us to have. But it's his redemption that would come and say, this is what's happened. But I'm here to rescue you. I'm here to comfort you. And comfort is something that every member of the Trinity is described as being a comforter. So we know that it says that God is a comforter. In one or 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4, it says, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. So we know the Father is a, a God of comfort. And then Jesus tells his disciples that the Father will send the comforter who is going to be um, with them all the time, and that's the Holy Spirit. So we know the Holy Spirit is a comforter. And Jesus actually said when he was talking his, to his disciples about, I will send you a comforter, he said, I will send you another comforter, which definitely indicates that he himself was comforting the disciples because the disciples were distressed that Jesus was going and they saw him as their comforter. And he said, don't worry, I'm going to send you or the Father is going to send you another comforter who will be a comfort to you. So Jesus was a comforter as well. So all three members of the Trinity are described as a comforter. And that is, that's the way it is with all aspects of the character of God. But we know that comfort is a really, really crucial thing. It's the essence of the heart of God that he would redeem, that he would bring his intervention to set right what has gone wrong. It's his endless compassion, his mercy and his unconditional love that motivates his comfort towards us. It speaks of him constantly reaching for us, constantly reaching. That is his character. I have found that his comfort has been expressed to me in two different ways, probably more than that, but I'd like to talk about two different ways tonight. One is his comfort that's expressed in strength and the other is his comfort that's expressed in tenderness. And I feel that both parts of his character, his strength and his tenderness bring comfort. For instance, in the strength part of his comfort, I would find the passage in Psalm 23, though, verse 4, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, 
for you are with me. There's that you are with me again. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. So that's an expression of strength. That I see that is an expression of a father's heart. And God is a father, a perfect father, and that is how a father would respond to a child, providing comfort with strength, protection, and defending that child from danger. We can see this same strength in um, another scripture where it says, just a minute... (laughs) Um, about him being a warrior and how he defends and, and um, protects people from harm. And it talks about how he even sings over us, but as how he comes into us, comes to us as, as a warrior to defend us. And it says, just as a father cares for his child, That's what God is like. He says, you know how I've cared for you again and again here in the wilderness, just as a father cares for his child. This is how a father brings um, comfort by instilling security and confidence and identity into a child. It's a strong comfort. Whereas it also describes a tender sort of comfort where God is described as, as a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you, and you will be comforted. I think that's interesting how he describes it. So I will comfort you, and you will be comforted, so it actually will have an impact on your heart. It will change you. You will receive comfort. So in describing our Heavenly Father as being like a mother, I'm certainly not saying that God, our Heavenly Father, is a woman but that he has the characteristics of a perfect mother, but he also has the characteristics of a perfect father. That is in his nature, to be a perfect father and a perfect mother. And fathers bring comfort in different ways to mothers. That's the way God designed it. So, for instance, a father's comfort brings perspective, hope and direction. For instance, if a child's fallen off his bike and he scratched his knee, the father tends to say something like this. It's only a small scratch. You'll be right, mate. Go out and get back on your bike. You'll be okay. Next time, try to avoid the potholes when you're riding. It's a sort of perspective. It's sort of, but it's comfort still because it's giving the child a way out of the problem and it's providing direction and perspective that would help them. However, a mother tends to say in a gentle and soothing manner, oh dear, that's a shame. Come here, sweetie, and I'll give you a hug. Now, mothers usually get down to the level of the child and they cuddle them and pick them up and draw them close is what mothers tend to do until the crying stops and starts to ease. And then she says things like, let's get that scratch cleaned up and pop on a Band-Aid and we'll, you'll be just okay soon, sweetie. 
So it's a different type of comfort, but they're both really, really needed. And Father does exactly the same. He has the heart of a father who wants to bring perspective and direction and courage. And sometimes that's exactly what we need. And that brings comfort. And sometimes Father comes in a tender, merciful and gentle manner, which basically says, come along here, darling. Let me just give you a hug. Let me show you that I love you and that it's all going to be okay. That's how our Heavenly Father always wants to be towards us. So, what does comfort look like? When I look up the dictionary, it's quite extensive. It says, to ease grief, pain or distress with closeness, words of consolation, warmth and affection. That's one definition of comfort. And we talked about that as being probably more like a mother sometimes gives. Not always, but I'm just saying that that's that gentle, tender aspect. It means to console, to empathise, to show compassion, help, support and cheer. To encourage, to reassure, to soothe at time of grief or disappointment. To show concern, care for suffering and misfortune of others. To show sensitivity, empathy, warmth, love and tenderness. To show mercy, kindness and patience to those who are suffering. And to make sorrow or trouble easier to bear. So comfort doesn't always remove us from the problem. But it does make sorrow or trouble easier to bear. And I think that's one of the key things that God wants us to know that he's with us for it to get through the, the trouble. Compassion is defined in the dictionary as an emotion we feel when others are in need, which motivates us to help them. Compassion is expressed with tenderness, gentleness, kindness and patience. It's also expressed with protection and defending us from harm. So what do we need comfort for? Why do we need comfort? It's when we're in a position of dis-ease that we need comfort. Anything that brings a sense of dis-ease brings us that sense of needing comfort. So physical pain can cause us dis-ease. For instance, cuts and bruises that happen with children through to having fractures and broken bones and pain in our body, physical pain definitely needs comfort. Sickness needs comfort. Weakness, nausea, dizziness, vomiting, feeling unwell, we need comfort. It's a place of disease. Disability needs comfort. When we are restricted, when we can't do what we want to do, when we're restricted in our abilities due to a circumstance that's beyond our control, that needs comfort. It's very frustrating when we can't do what we want to do because of illness or because of weakness or because of sickness. Then there's an emotional pain that needs comfort. Fear, anxiety, grief, 
grief over loss. This could be of all manner of things. Anything where we've lost something, we could lose hope. We could lose a dream. We could lose a loved one. We could lose something very precious, a home or a relationship or a job. Grief definitely needs comfort. Disappointment, dashed expectations, they need comfort. When we do the wrong thing, we need comfort. It's an interesting one. I've struggled to receive comfort when I know that I've done the wrong thing. But God says in his word, comfort you, my people. Tell my people that their sin has been covered, that they have been forgiven. God knows that we need comfort when we've done the wrong thing. And we need to draw near to him when we've done the wrong thing to receive his comfort. Embarrassment and shame that comes from doing the wrong thing, we need comfort from that too. Rejection, being cast away or abandoned, we need comfort. We need God's comfort. Feeling inferior and unworthy, not feeling affection or love or affirmation, not receiving the attention we need, all these things bring disease and need comfort. Conflict and relationship breakdowns, suffering, which is the emotional response to ongoing pain and not being in control, needs comfort. All of these things need comfort. And the list is actually far, far more extensive than I have mentioned today. But the thing is that God knows every single thing that's happened. Every pain, every thing that we've experienced in our heart, he is there to bring comfort and he knows exactly what needs comfort. And the pain will remain in our hearts until the wounds are healed with God's comfort. The pain will remain in our hearts until the pain has been healed by God's comfort. That's his promise though, that he will comfort us. And we need to draw near to him to receive his comfort. So how does God provide comfort to us? God, as our heavenly Father, as I said, comforts us with strength and protection. And he comes to us as a perfect human father. This is the scripture I was looking for before. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty warrior. He will exult over you with joy. He will quiet you in his love. And he will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. He will quiet you in his love. Don't we all know when he has come, how he's quietened us in our soul with his love? He comes and he quietens us with his love, but he's a victorious warrior that comes and does that for us. And in Psalm 18 verse 2, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. This is the God who provides perfection, protection and defends us in times of trouble. And this brings us comfort. It's described, as I said, in Psalm 24, 23 verse 4. As I said, 
your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I thought a lot about this concept of why would a rod and a staff, why would a rod and a staff bring comfort? It's an interesting concept, but it's describing the equipment a shepherd would use in the times that the psalm was written. A rod and a staff were typical equipment that a shepherd would use when he's out in the fields with the sheep. And the rod was used to beat off and defend the sheep from the attack of a predator. For instance, we know that David fought off a lion and a bear when he was a shepherd. So the rod was, a, was used to defend the sheep, a strength, and we desperately need that. A staff, on the other hand, with a little crook on the end, was used to actually protect the sheep from going astray. So if the sheep are going along a narrow path, for instance, and the shepherd sees that the sheep's going a bit too close to the edge of the precipice or going off in the wrong direction, the staff comes out and hooks around the neck of the sheep and back we come into the right spot to keep us safe. Now, David says, your rod and staff, they comfort me. And I haven't always thought that that sort of thing would bring comfort. I actually now realise that I need God's comfort and it brings me great comfort to know that he's going to act on my behalf. He will defend me with his rod against the enemy and he will prevail. He will prevail. So if the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against him. And I desperately need that. And when I know and I'm assured that that's what he's going to do, that brings me comfort. I do not want to be left vulnerable that something could come in and sneak in up on, on me and destroy me. But to know that God has promised that I will defend you brings me great comfort. Another thing that brings me great comfort is actually the knowledge that he will correct me. Because if I go off on a path that's not good for me, I need his correction. It says in Hebrews that a father trains a son. And that's a proof that he's a son, is that he is corrected. I need God's correction. When he says, Ruthie, no, you're going down the way of bitterness and unforgiveness. You need to come back to me about this. Come on, we'll talk it over. I can help you. But no, do not go that way. It's going to cause you more destruction. I need him to do that. No, Ruthie, this is not what I want for you. That is, that is correction and I need that. And it brings me comfort to know that my Heavenly Father will not let my foolishness go unattended. That brings me great comfort. I'm sure it brings you to that's sort of the God we have. As an example of a situation where I was in where I felt God really provided me this sort of comfort, um, I was a young mum. My children were about four and two and I came down with septicemia and they didn't really know what 
had caused the septicemia. So I was taken off to the hospital and I was there for quite some weeks and they were trying to do all these tests to discover what was the cause of this septicemia. And I'd had a barium minima before I'd been admitted to hospital. In my mind, and I think it's probably the truth, that barium minima actually um, punctured my bowel and I got peritonitis actually. But that wasn't worked out until quite way down the path. But anyway, as I'm in hospital, they're doing all these masses of tests to try and work out why the heck I had septicemia out of the blue because there was no infection that they could see on my body. And then they decided that I needed to have another barium enema. And I was, I was afraid. I had two young children and I thought, I just had a problem with the last barium enema <laughs> and I cried out to God. I was really concerned and I was pleading with the doctors, do I really have to have this barium enema? I think it was the thing that caused the problem in the first place. Are you sure? And no, there was no convincing the doctors. They were desperate that they were going to have the barium enema. And so this particular night, is I was resting, trying to get ready for sleep. And the following day I was going to have this other barium enema. And a nurse came on duty that was a casual nurse. Um, what do they call them? Um, nurses that are uh, relief nurse, yes, that's right. So she hadn't known that she was on duty and she'd been brought in and wasn't the normal um, place that she worked. Anyway, she came to look after me and she told me that she was from a Catholic background and that she really loved God and I could tell that she really loved God. And she talked to me and um, quietly just listened as I shared about my concern about the following day. And she said, you know, at the end, she said, would you like me to pray for you? And I said, yes, I would. And so she prayed for me and the Holy Spirit came to my heart. And I saw myself as a little lamb and I saw Jesus as my shepherd and I saw myself as lying on the ground at his feet and I let him watch over me through the night that he would take care of everything that would concern me. But this was what God came to me and told me that he would be my shepherd, that he would defend me, that he would protect me and that I would not need to be afraid. So I lay down and I slept that night in peace because my Heavenly Father came with his comfort and he assured me that he would watch over me and he would keep me safe. And I went through the bury minimum of the following day and there was no repercussions and no problems with that particular bury minimum. But it was the sense of God bringing his protection and sending that nurse that day to, be, to pray for me was his protection for me. And so... I think that's an incredible example of God's comfort that brings peace and assurance because of his strength. We also said that God comes in tenderness. And it's interesting that King David, who was a warrior, also understood about God's tenderness and obviously must have experienced a lot of God's comfort because he speaks of it so much in the Psalms. 
And yet he says, even though um, he was a, a warrior, it says, your gentleness has made me great. So David is testing, testifying to the fact that it's his gentle, God's gentleness that has made him great. And, and this is the sort of gentleness that we were talking about with the tenderness, the patience, the kindness that would make him great. In the Passion, it describes it, your gentleness has made me great and by stooping down in gentleness, you strengthened me and made me great. And David responds by saying things like Psalm 43, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within you? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation. God has spoken into David's heart so that even in the times of great trouble, he has known God to be the God of hope and that he would be able to praise him because God would bring him a salvation. He wouldn't be impotent, he wouldn't be weak, but he would come. And David says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of need. Then David's experienced that very present help in time of need. He has actually received comfort from the Father. And so he was a very creative and sensitive man who spoke freely of his emotions and his anguish. And that's why we identify with the Psalms so much. That's why we sing the Psalms. That's why we pray the Psalms. And when we're in trouble, well, at least when I'm in trouble, I often read the Psalms as my prayer because David knew how to call to God and how to receive his comfort. But the comfort that he received when he says that God's gentleness made him great is actually the comfort of tenderness. And in Isaiah 63, 13, it says, As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you, as I said before. And we see our Heavenly Father bringing his tenderness and his comfort in gentleness and compassion. And in 2 Corinthians 1, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, not just some of them, all our troubles. That long list I gave before, I didn't even cover half of the things that could be a a trouble, but in all our troubles, God wants to comfort us. He is the father of compassion. That means he is the author of compassion as well. He's the beginning of compassion. He's the creator of compassion. It all comes from him. He is the source of all compassion. What a wonderful God we have that we can run to a God who is the source of compassion. And he is the source of all real comfort. And as I said, we will remain in pain until we receive comfort from the Father in the areas of our pain. But he is willing to come alongside us and to bring us his comfort. He is reaching for us. That plead in Isaiah, comfort you, oh comfort you my people. It's his cry I want to provide comfort I want to comfort you and sometimes it says we would not we would not come 
we would not draw near. And that's incredibly sad. But God promises that if we do draw near, he will cover us with his feathers. He will cover us with his wings. He will, in Psalm 91 it says, he will cover us with his feathers and under his wings we will find refuge. <coughs> his faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. The Passion Translation describes it this way. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are shielding, a shield keeping you from harm. When we come under our Heavenly Father's wings, when we draw near to him, he covers us with his his own self. When you bring a child to your chest to comfort the child, that's a place of intimacy. When God draws us to himself and we come near, he draws us to the place where we can put our head on his chest. That is a place of incredible intimacy and a place that only those who belong are welcome. And we belong. He says so. He said he wants to cover us with his feathers. He wants to bring us close and we will find refuge. When we rest in his heart, when we rest with our head on his chest, we hear his heart, we understand his heart. We begin to be able to let go the pain and let him hold us. And it's like siphoning the pain out. That's how I feel. It's like my pain just sort of is absorbed into God. Close to his heart, resting in his arms. This is the place that brings comfort. I know that I'm actually wrapped in his presence. Wrapped in his presence. What an awesome thing to be wrapped in the presence of God. This is a place of incredible privilege that we've been invited to come. Mothers offer comfort by holding their children or their babies close to them. They pick them up and they bend down low because they want to get to the child's level and that's what our father does. And when he brings us close, it's right there, right beside him. In Psalm 18.35, which is what I've been referring to, when um, David says, your gentleness has made me great, it's the stooping down. The stooping down in gentleness is what the passion says. Stooping down in gentleness. And that's how our Father's always been. He stoops down in gentleness. Jesus' coming is him stooping down. He's man. He became man. He became God with us, stooping down. And mothers have a tenderness in the way they give comfort. And that's why when children are hurt, they tend to call on their mothers rather than their father's little children. But it's the presence of compassion that allows emotions to be released. It's a place of safety. When 
when someone gives you compassion, it's often the place where you can unburden the pain. I don't know whether you've seen this happen, but a child comes home from school, they've made it all through the day, they've been brave, they've had a fall or they've been bullied or something's gone wrong and they've felt um, unjustly treated, they've made it bravely through the day, they get home to mum and mum says, how, how is your day, sweetie? How did you go? And the tears come. It's the compassion that gives a place of safety for us to pour out our pain. And it's similar with God. When we see his compassion, when I saw him come to me as a shepherd, to be a tender shepherd to watch me, I was able to be at peace. And it's God's compassion that helps us to actually unburden the pain and tell him all about it. We actually need to tell him all about it. We actually need to express it. We need to say... This is how it is, God, because that's the way we... He already knows, by the way, but that's the way we, we have to express it to him. And I learnt this in um, many times in my life, but in a particular time when I first really realised that I could do this, I was preparing for one of my hip replacements and I was really struggling with having to go back to the hospital um, as an adult and face a lot of the things that I found completely um, where I was completely out of control and I felt incredibly vulnerable and afraid that something bad would happen and I'm sure that you would understand when you sort of surrender your life into someone else's care you are completely vulnerable but I had been taught as a small child that I needed to be brave and I needed to sort of, in a sense, put aside all the feelings and, in a sense, almost deny that they existed. And so one night, as I usually do these things with God, in the middle of the night, I was really talking to God about my, my concern about the upcoming surgery and my sense of vulnerability and the sense that I had had to be brave and that I hadn't really acknowledged these things that had happened before. And I felt in my heart that I had this experience of being a child again in the hospital. I was in a cot bed, which they used when we were um, young. It was a bed, but it was a bigger cot than, and it had the cot size. You know how they are. So I was in a cot bed. I had a plaster from um, underneath my arms down to my feet and my legs were apart and you can't hug a child like that. It's very hard to give a child affection because they're sort of like a lump of solid plaster. And so it really isn't easy to comfort a child in that sort of situation. And as I explained last time, my parents were only able to come once a week. So there wasn't really a lot of potential for comfort. But in my mind, in this prayer time with God in the night I saw myself in this bed in this cot bed and Jesus came to me and he stooped over me and he held me in my cot bed put his arms underneath my back which was with the plaster and held me and as I let him hold me I started to bash the Lord Jesus 
I said, I didn't like this and I didn't like this. I didn't like being left behind and I didn't like them putting the mask on my face and I didn't like this pain and I didn't like being manipulated and I didn't like this and I didn't like my toys being taken and I didn't like losing my precious things and I didn't like this and I didn't like that and I went on bashing Jesus for about 10 minutes or so and Jesus in my mind, in my picture of him didn't flinch he just held me steady he held me and he continued to hold me and I bashed him and I bashed him and I don't want to do this and this is not fair and I don't think it all came out and I just poured it out to God and I don't think you love me because you let this happen and bash bash and he continued to hold me and he didn't move after all that time of bashing him It's like all that pain and all that stuff got out of my soul. I wasn't actually expressing anger towards God. It was more to the situation that had happened, but I was just having to say that this is what had happened and that and Jesus, in a sense, was holding me to take it all from me and I just gave it all to God. I just I just bashed it out of out of my heart to him. And he held me and he still held me. And when it had all finished, he still held me. And he didn't move away and he didn't correct me. He didn't say, stop, that's not the truth. He actually said it's true because I hadn't actually expressed it. I hadn't dealt with that was the truth. And he was saying, yes, it's true, it happened. But I'm here to bring you comfort and I'm bringing it right now deep into your heart and I'm assuring you that nothing about what you've experienced is foreign to me. I was completely aware of it all along but he was safe and he held me and he held me and I am so incredibly grateful to God. He showed me that he had a way forward for me, that he was not going to abandon me, that he was not going to be put off by my angry bashing and tantrum but he was going to be there for me. And that gave me great comfort. That gave me great comfort. In Psalm 34, verse 18, it says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. That's his heart. He's here. He's near to the brokenhearted. He wants to be right there, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. We can bring the real things that are in our heart to him. He is safe. He wants to come near. He's not put off by our our behaviour. It's like he says to us, it's okay. It's okay. I've got you. That's the expression my little grandson said to his his, um, newly born uh, brother. He's only two and a half and he says, as little Caleb is squirming in the, in the blanket, he says, it's okay, it's okay, I've got you, I've got you. Now he's obviously heard that from his own parents but that is what the father says to us as a good heavenly father and as a good heavenly mother as it were to us. As a comforting mother he says, it's okay, I've got you. I've got you. I'm going to make a way forward. You are not going to be destroyed by what's happened. 
And this builds our capacity to trust. It helps us to feel secure even though we're in trouble. It's a place where we can go and be safe. In 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7, it says, Casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. I think this is the beginning of where we come. We draw near to God with the reality of what we're experiencing. We don't draw near to God saying, I shouldn't be feeling this. We start with, Father, I'm feeling this. And we cast it on him. We cast it on him. Casting is not something you do lightly. It's something you do with a great deal of vigour. Casting is something to get it away, a long way away. It's a bit like me bashing Jesus, but it's this sense of it's got to go. I've got to go. It's got to get. I've got to get rid of this, and we come as we are. But we cast on Him because He promises that He will actually do the caring for us. If we cast our efforts to care, I'm worried about this, 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 and this, and all the repercussions that I could possibly imagine could happen. We cast that to Him because He says. If you cast it to me, I will do the caring for you. I'll do it on your behalf. And there's not much point in us both trying to care about the same thing when he's going to do a far, far, far better job than we will. So I may as well give it over. I may as well let him take it because he will do it in a much better way. But it says then, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. I find that comfort is an incredibly humble place to be. Receiving comfort is a humbling thing. We are humbling ourselves under the hand of a God who is who's actually perfectly good. And his hand, which I actually thought of, you know, the mighty hand of God, oh, that's awesome, as in something to be feared. But this is the hand that was placed on the children to bless them. This is the hand that's safe. If I humble myself and bring my cares before him, he will honour who I am and he will care for me. He will bless me. His hand will intervene for me. His hand will defend me. His hand will protect me. His hand will bring me his perspective. It's his awesome hand. And it says then that if we do humble ourselves under his mighty hand, he will exalt us in the proper time. It's the proper time, not our time. It's his time in the proper time. He will exalt us and he will give us a way forward and he will protect us and he will deliver us and he will heal us and he will comfort us in the proper time. But we need to cast it on him and allow him to take that advantage, to take the thing up on our behalf. This is the mighty hand of God that set the stars and holds them in place. But he still is the hand that would bring great comfort and peace into our hearts. So we need to come before the Father. It says, 
we come before the Father in times of need to find grace. We come under his wings and we find safety and we find love. In Hebrews 6, it says we run into his heart to hide ourselves in his faithfulness. That's from the Passion Translation. And he will only give us faithfulness, nothing but faithfulness. I love that concept, run into his heart to hide ourselves in his faithfulness. So I can only expect faithfulness. He will only do what is absolutely best. He will do nothing but good for me. And he has made complete provision for us, for all our needs, for all of eternity. So when we hide in his faithfulness, we will hide in him, in God himself. And it says again in Hebrews 4, we have a priest who understands our weakness. In It says in verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we have, but without sin. So let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We need comfort. We all need comfort. And that is what we receive when we come to God and we say, Father, I'm in trouble. I'm afraid. I'm broken. I've lost hope. I need you. I need your comfort. So we can draw near with confidence because he says, I'm welcoming you. And we can be sure that we will find grace in time of need. So I think it would be really lovely if we could really respond to God's invitation and that we would run into his throne, that we'd run into his heart and hide in his faithfulness tonight as his daughters because he's made provision. It would be a real shame if he made that provision and we didn't avail ourselves of what he's freely given. So I'm going to invite us all to stand and just place ourselves in a position of receiving from the Father, that he would come. And I'm going to pray over us all as we, as we do that. Heavenly Father, we stand before you, Lord. We run into your throne right now to find grace in time of need. We open our hearts to you. That you would shine your light, but your perspective on the pain that we are experiencing in our heart. We open our hearts to you. That you would receive all the things that are concerning us, Lord. We open our hearts to you. To tell you what's on our hearts. Take this time to just, in your heart, just tell God, 
cast those anxieties that are in your heart to, to him. We thank you, Father, for your promise, your incredible promise that you will care for us. And you've heard our hearts as we've told you the things that concern us, Lord. We thank you that they're in safekeeping in your hands, Lord. We thank you for your compassion as you tenderly lift us up, as you hold us in your arms and take us underneath your wings, as you speak words of love to our hearts, Lord, as you tell us that you've got us in your hands, as you assure us that you have provided for us and that your goodness and your kindness can be depended on. We thank you, Father, that there's nothing too small and nothing too big for you to just hold us in and intervene for us. We thank you, Father, that you are trustworthy. So we humble ourselves under your hand of blessing that you would raise us up, Father, that you will heal our hearts and that you will make us strong and that we'll have a testimony and comfort to give away to others, that we will be able to comfort others with the comfort that we have also received from you. Father, we are your daughters. We need you, Father. Thank you so much for being our Father. Thank you, Lord.